I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Today, we welcome you back to the Butterfly Forecast. good to see you. It's been years and you too. (laughs) I know. I don't think I've seen you since my wedding. No, actually. You're right. Right? (laughs) Right. Congratulations, Mel. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. Can you believe it? No, but yes. But no. (laughs) But no, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's so special. Um, when did you guys actually meet? You go back pretty far. It was first album. That means it was either 08 or 09. Yeah, because I had just started my business. Mm. I had just started like designing and stuff. You were one of the first people I made stuff for. Aww. Your on and off rings. <laughs> the on and off rings. We ended up doing the earrings and the No Boys Allowed you for the second album. Yeah, for the second album. By that point, we were thick as thieves, but the on and off. <laughs> Very true. Yes. Very and true. Carrie bamboozled me into being in, in one of her music videos. I bamboozled you? Oh, How my gosh. Happen? Somebody did. They're like, just show up. Like, somebody wanted me to bring jewelry. And so I brought jewelry to the shoot. And then they asked me, they made me be in it, stay in it. Oh. <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah. Those were good times. It was also when I was at a place where I could make more custom stuff like on the fly. Yeah. And so I'd be like, what's, you know, like what song is she working on right now? Like what's it called or what's she going to wear? What's she into? And then I just make something based on that. Yeah. And then I'd have to like turn it over overnight because your team was always like Last. chop, chop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. <laughs> but you always hit it. You always got, you always hit the mark. Like it wasn't a lot of, it's rare. Like when you're creating something, I don't know if this is your recollection of it, but my recollection of it was like, it wasn't a lot of back and forth. Normally people don't always hit the mark on the first try or even the second or third, you know, but you were like a lot of times one take Jake. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's her. Well, I really loved your music and I loved what you, I loved you too, but it was easy for me because I was like, I wanted to, you know, that makes it a lot easier when you know know the person. And, and like them. And like them. Yeah, and I felt like you believed in me. You were one of the first, or like a, one of the early people that like really, really saw me. Mm. And I was always like, I remember we did that um, photo shoot together for Elle yes. or something. And then... Yeah. And we, it was the first time, you know, we, we were friends, like we would go out, but we were more like, not surface friends, but we hadn't really gotten deep with one another. Right. Not as deep as it would go, for sure. Yeah. And Carrie said something to me. She's like, you're like the, she's like, you're like a little mini Deepak Chopra. You said something like that. (laughs) But I hadn't shared that side of myself with her at all. Like we had never had a conversation. We had never... Like none of, I hadn't shared anything like that. And I was like, whoa. I was like, how did she know I was like that? Or how, you know, I was like, how did she know I was 
into even that kind of thing or whatever. It was just little things that you would see. And I would always be surprised. I'm like, you picked up on that? Like, how did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) But maybe also because you both are really deep Mm -hmm. and you're in an industry that's really tends to be seen and it's superficiality. But then you recognize each other. You just recognized, which is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's always been super just insightful. Like, I love people that think beyond thoughtful, I think is the word. And obviously insightful, because I think that lends to how much you know and how much you see and how much, you know, intuition you apply and whatever. But thoughtful, like you're compassionate view of everything was one of the first things I picked up on. Like, Jesus, you're a caregiver. You're like, just so considerate. And my ears ring. I got to talk about this. Julie, I did tell you about this. Didn't I tell you my (laughs) ears been ringing? Yes. Okay. We're going on two months. It just started just now. Huh? Well, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. But yeah, that's crazy that does it now. I so wonder about stuff like that, like what triggers it when there's not a physical cause and you're in a situation and then it starts. I always wonder about that, of course. Yeah, also because you have no headphones or anything on. No, I know it's not. It can't be technological. It can't be because I'm. I could be so far away from my phone Usually it happens when I'm in my bed. It woke me up the other night, like in the middle of the night, my ear just started ringing, but it's going on. I'll be able to find patterns soon because we're going on two months where it's like, it's maybe four, three to five times a day. It just, and it's loud. It's just, it's just happening. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's like, no, I'm talking to the right people for this. And I don't feel that it's, I just don't feel that it's any technological coincidence. I don't live near any um, phone poles or, you know, nothing like that. And it's not only when I'm at home either, like driving and on the move. Huh, Carrie. Well, also, I mean, everything in us changes all the time, your ears included in the environment. And if you have like an inflammatory response or an allergic reaction, you know, like, uh, the ringing in your ears, that sound, like they call it tinnitus or tinnitus. I've heard it pronounced both ways. But actually, I've talked to so many doctors and asked them about it. They don't really know the cause of it. Mm. And they don't know when it subsides. And every time I notice it with somebody, it's like a nerve that gets inflamed. Mm. And so we forget that like inflammation can create vibration you know, the change the way we interpret, you know, what's coming to your, through your ear and your ear canal, and then put fluid on top of that. And any kind of excess fluid you have in your sinuses is crazy. It's crazy how complicated we are. Yes. Or sensitive, you know. So I love that you brought that up right when we're talking about how you guys met and how you discovered that thing about each other. Because, Carrie, you're talking about Mel, but you're also very caring and very giving. Mm. You stand out in a crowd, you know. I was just telling Melody this yesterday when we were talking about, like, we're excited we're going to have a conversation with you. Um, You know, it's like you're coming over to hang out and – I was telling her, oh my gosh, when I think about just Carrie, no goal, no conversation goals, I'm just in awe of 
how much you've changed in the years I've known you. Mm. Like constantly, but not in one area, but like every area in acting, in your music, and you, your life. You've like had several incarnations. Incarnations. <laughs> Do you I think like that? Do you feel that way? I feel like it's more inside than it is apparent or visible. Those are the things that, that I can notice the most. Um, sure, people have mentioned when I play them new stuff, you, you sound like you've evolved. It's, it's, it's a totally different carry with the same isms, but there's so much new in here of you. And I'm like, I don't hear that. The acting's like, ah, I've dabbled. It doesn't seem so very far-fetched from what I would naturally be doing if I weren't releasing music. The fast track, I think, was truthfully like when you said incarnation, I thought about inside. Mm. As soon as you said, I was like, yeah, it's an incarnation that I, <laughs> that I feel like, yeah. Oh, I love that. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's true. But, but because you're very outward focused, like that's your life. I think that all your incarnations get reflected in every place you express yourself creatively and otherwise. And to me, that's incredible that maybe it is noticeable, but just maybe the people around you aren't looking for that. This is true. That may be, yeah. I mean, I, I people around me, directly around me, personally, would know, but I don't think that it's apparent to fans and, and you know, some of the avenues that I am expressing. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't think a whole lot about how I'm being perceived. Now, I won't say that that's always been the case. Um, there have been many, 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 many years of, um, I think, hyper-exploiting or um, hyper-focusing on how I'm being perceived. That comes with this job. It's basically an occupational hazard, but it can wear you down. It can... Um, make you inherit beliefs that are that belong to others um, into your subconscious, into your being, into your own thoughts and feelings and emotions about yourself. So I would say I've come a long way. These days, it, it barely occurs to me what people are feeling and what people are thinking and what people are seeing or how they're interpreting what they're seeing, hearing, reading. So it's just not a concern. I, that's a big, big, big change because I can't say that my skin was always thick could not could not say that would not say that but based on the journey that i've taken and the changes that i'm undergoing still i think that's bringing about so much that i need to be able to re-emerge into that space yeah well i wonder too uh i've often wondered when you were starting to explore your voice did you have that then yes Yes, absolutely. I, I just, I didn't care who heard. I didn't care. But but quickly after, I would perform for anyone who would listen. In those early years, you're right. You're just, you're just enjoying it. You're just, you're only listening to yourself and that's all that matters. And even when you are performing for others, like it's not necessarily for approval. It's just because I want to perform something that I like to sing. And this is for me. Yeah. That's such a beautiful evolution. Like, I wish everyone knew that you start that way. Like, you start with that purity. Mm. 
And also that um, riveted attraction to express this thing in you that you're dying to let out or develop. And then you want people to hear it, and then that's going to take you to more people hearing it. And then before you know it, you're not prepared for the industry of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start all over again. It's a brand new birth. <laughs> the minute, you know, the minute that happens, I think you're in new territory. And I wonder how you have, what has, um, what have been your paddles and your oars to get where you are now from that? If I'm being completely honest, I would say the core of, of what gave me these paddles and oars would be traumas in my life, experiences, unfortunate circumstances, harsh lessons. These are, these are things that I learned to use. I was having a conversation just yesterday, as a matter of fact, with someone that I work with, and we were just talking about, oh gosh, all the unfortunate traumas that, that we experience as human beings in, in each of our individual paths. And we were saying like, wow, it's like looking back on my life, all of the worst things that one could experience if we were to judge these experiences um, brought the biggest, most beautiful blessings in my life, be it inner or outer. Uh, you can look back and if you're really focused on on finding the good and finding what what piece of that was purposed and destined to serve you later, you can really, really see that like everything that was ugly brought you beautiful, you know? Taught you something. Mm-hmm. You can always, there's so much to use. And, and I, it's hard for me to imagine what life would feel like if I hadn't had these experiences. Where would I be? Would I be happy and peaceful now? Would I be content with where I'm at? Would I be a seeker? Would I be insightful even more? Would I, would I have the intuition and be able to have the confidence to follow it? Like there's so many beautiful things in all of it, all of that from childhood up. I'm talk, I'm not talking about just career stuff. I'm talking from yes. <laughs> infancy, yes. you know, um, each, each of our paths is so unique and it, it brings about these tools. That's so true. I mean, that's why I've always thought of you as multifaceted, because I think you approach everything from that inside place, honestly. But you're not in control of what you've met and who you've met. And also that other piece, you guys, that I think really takes you into the work where you end up needing to collect a toolbox is that you're not in charge of how people receive you, Mm. perceive you, and receive you. Mm -hmm. And that is something you didn't know before. Mm -mm. You know, you're like, oh, if I just do what I do, look, it made my, whoever was your childhood circle, it made them happy. Well, then I'm just going to widen the circle. It'll make everybody happy. (laughs) And and. It doesn't work out that way because they haven't been on that path. They don't know the value. When they meet you, they don't know your value. Mm. And that's shocking. I think that's a constant lesson that you have to like show up 100% and then let it go. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest life lessons, especially for those of us that are in 
positions of, of influence with a lot of, like Mel and I, like with a lot of people, a lot of eyes, a lot of ears. That's a lesson that's worth learning for sure. But Carrie, I feel like you said that the trials made you a seeker, more of a seeker. But I feel like you've always been a seeker. I mean, I I remember, I mean, I just have like standout thoughts about you, but in comparison to where you grew up and the type of family that you grew up in, it was more than a black sheep sort of situation. It's like you fit in, but you were you were almost like a radical thinker. And it wasn't even because you were thinking radically. It was just that you were a seeker. Like you didn't want to accept things as they were given to you. Mm. You wanted more. You wanted to know more. And maybe the tests sort of pushed you towards like forcing you to be even more so that. But I feel like you always had that. I think you're right. I know that I went against the grain and there was so much opposition to the career path that I wanted to take. Wait, but was the career path you wanted to take, did you always want to be a singer? Because I remember your first love was really writing. Like you were a writer. Yeah. Like a beautiful writer. And then it felt like, and I don't know if this is true, but when I was early, when I was around you, it felt like, oh, well, she's beautiful and she can do this and she could do that and she could sing like she needs to be all the things Mm. and so you just kind of inhabited all of it but I felt like your true love was always writing like that's where it felt like you just went into your special laboratory and (laughs) and came out with magic you know that's my favorite part of what I do I think I thought I always wanted to perform um, growing up, that was actually my, my, I didn't even know what a songwriter was when I was, say, eight, nine, and before. I wanted to sing since I was four. I began to write. I began to understand how to format around the age of 11, 12, 10, 11, 12. But um, yeah, I, I think that's the better part of me is I know now that I'm, I was born to express in any mode, in any genre that my heart should choose that day but performing was actually first songwriting served me a lot I got to still sing the demos I got to still write and arrange I got to be in the studio every single day I got to wear pajamas I didn't have to worry about (laughs) anything you know I got to go and and just be around music every single day and so yeah you're you're absolutely right Hmm. well I wonder how early it was when you realized that you were gifted at more than one thing at a time? Hmm, it was pretty early. It, it was, uh, <laughs> I started really writing around 10 or 11. I recorded the first thing that I wrote when I was 12. So I at least knew that I could, yeah, I at least knew that I could do those, those two things. And I was an excellent swimmer. And you played basketball, right? And I played basketball and, and excelled <laughs> in that, the captain and MVP and best offensive for two years, you know. But I think that speaks more to, more about the value that, that I have in being in, in excelling in whatever it is you're doing. Excel at it. Be excellent. That's a character trait that I suppose I have. Um, but I loved what I loved about my childhood is that my mother really did 
do a really intentional job of enriching our lives and allowing us to try everything, whatever our hearts desire. Do you want to go in ballet? Okay, I'll find you a ballet class. Okay, you want to do tap dance, jazz, African dance, soul, whatever it is. You want to act? Great. Okay, I found a theater. There was nothing we hadn't done on a regular basis. My mom was so, I'm so grateful that she allowed us all of these avenues to express ourselves, be it physical or creative. She really, to me, is a benchmark for what I think a mother should provide their child. That's incredible because there's like six of you too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's five of us. a lot of five of you. It's a lot. It's a family of seven. And, you know, dad, dad didn't always come. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she was, it turns out these were the moments that mom and dad said that they would, that's when they would have sex. So they would ship us off to all these different places yeah. so that they could have intimate time together. <laughs> okay. It all makes sense now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like the kid's busy. Yeah. They're like, what you want to so do? We can have okay. Some us time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That was like a, a real veil lifting moment. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, but the other thing that's always really impressed me about you is being able to do all, all those things and then deal with the culture around them because everything has an industry or a culture. Mm. And, you know, just being around you during those initial years, like I would see like we'd go to parties or we'd go to like some big record executive's house or like something. And the way you would navigate like, sexism alone like just that one mm -hmm. thing it was so impressive to me because you had so much like tact but such clear boundaries but you were so nice it was so amazing and I was like whoa like how does she do that <laughs> <laughs> because I was shocked it was so new to me I was like whoa this is how guys do that like I would just leave like I wouldn't know how to I wouldn't know how to do my art in that kind of environment but you somehow carried it all like you balanced it so tactfully mm. that's interesting a lot of practice when you start recording at 12 and you're without your parents and you are um, you're often in the studio until morning you know that would continue 13, 14, 15, 16. I was on my own. I was in girl groups. You see so much and, and you get to choose what path I want to be on. Like there was an artist who we shared a rehearsal space. I was maybe 14 or 15. She came out, turns out she was in some sort of like huge magazine, right? One of the raunchy magazines and that ruined her career. And then there were others that you would uh, share spaces with and you hear other similar stories about who they slept with and now they lost their deal or people took different journeys and I got to be privy to that and it allowed me as a young person to choose which journey I would like to have I don't want to be spoken of like that and I don't want to do anything to the detriment of my career like that one or you know so I'm grateful for the years before fame when I was just songwriting and I could hear the conversations, I could understand how things operate and how I want to operate within this system. So I had a lot of practice by the time you and I met at um, 
dodging and navigating and still being palatable and respectful, but still boundaried. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also that's like such a testimony to who you are. You know, because as you're observing, you could have used those examples to jump in the deep end of everything wrong and gotten yourself on a different path or pathways. But I think that's so you. Uh, did you have anyone in the performing arts that you admired? Oh, all of them in, in, in certain aspects. Like to create is to notice everything. It's to be have the ability to own in on different aspects of art, right? Actually, she and I share one of the most impactful people to me, which is Lauren Hill. Um, <laughs> I loved her eloquence. I loved the boldness of the sonics that she chose to release and, and the way that she wrote. It was so unorthodox. It was so layered and, and it was so spread across all genres. Like it was just a blend and a, a melange of things. But her, her heart and soul was there. It wasn't just for the sake of making hit music. I can tell. I know as a songwriter, when, when I'm hearing someone expressing or when I'm hearing someone attempting to write a hit song. And so for her, it's that soul. I love, I just, I, I was in maybe ninth or eighth, eighth to 10th grade when she came out and Boy, I mean, I had Mariah, I had Whitney, I had these people, but I think as I'm coming into high school years, there's, there was just something about Lauren that, man, and actually, Melody, weren't you, you were responsible for introducing me to her. No, you introduced, no? you introduced me to her. You were, really? yeah, you oh, were, it was the it other was... way around. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I, well. I was actually in Chicago. And she was having a show and you introduced yes. me to her DJ. Okay. Who then introduced me to her. My memory's terrible. But I do remember yeah. <laughs> going to the show together and I thought it was you that helped us go. I that was like no. one of me. So it was our first time meeting her together then. I could go on and on and on about Lauren Hill, but she she is and then Indiari would be another someone, you know, her isms and her raspiness and her voice. Like you you tend to want to as a young artist you're you're studying everything you know and you're seeing what which pieces fit you which pieces you want to make and and the whole purpose is to make your own piece of art like the technicalities are always going to be there how someone turn takes it and turns it and makes it their their own is is what intrigues you but you're you're making your own piece of art and that was always I never wanted to copy anyone I never wanted to be anyone else I just wanted to learn the fundamentals, and now let me turn this into my own. You know how, um, though, like you listen to a piece of music or a vocalist or someone's songwriting, and you may really gravitate towards it, but you know it's not you, so you're not, it's not literally your inspiration. You just love it. It's just part of the diet you take in. But I think there's something about when you hear a sound or see a person's nuances or the way uh, there could be their delivery where you find something authentic and gem-like in it. That's the part I wondered about. Like, if you ever listened to anyone interviewed, like your favorite vocalist, um, they tell you who influenced them. <laughs> Sometimes it's really surprising. It's not who you would think. Like, you 
cannot hear the influence. Yeah. Because it was something inside. Very true. I'm sure there are some that, that I think people wouldn't peg, like 70s artists and 80s artists. Like people would never know that some of my biggest, most colossal joints that I wrote, to me, I was writing funk music. Someone else is hearing techno. Someone else, someone is absolutely not hearing soul, funky soul music, like guitar laden, heavy bass line. That's what I hear, but I know that the interpretation isn't being perceived like that. And that's okay because it worked in my favor. But in my mind, I was in Yarborough and Peoples. Like I was Rick James at times. I was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, in my mind, that's where I would be. <laughs> and it's infinite. You know, there's no end of what you can create out of hearing those sounds. You know, ABCs, we can just language things for forever. Forever. You know, I remember early on in my career, I, I used to be like, well, what else is, there's so many songs in the world. When I first started, I was like, well, how, how can I say something differently? I mean, it's all been said. It's all, all the melodies are already there, but then I thought about it, like there really are infinite combinations of how you can make something yours. And and that was beautiful. And, and developing a sound was one of the hardest things an artist is one of the hardest things a new artist can, can be blessed to do. Um, but it's a very risky thing is like, oh, okay, how am I making these references relevant? How am I blending them and shaping them into my own to where I don't want the negative press of being a copier or influenced heavily by, you know, I wanted to present something with the fullest of integrity where no one could peg, <laughs> you know, these influences or, or these inspirations. I would always say I'm, I'm inspired by many influenced by none. It's not influenced me really. I, I never felt like that, you know, I felt inspired. I would feel on fire for, okay, all right, I see what you're on. All right, great. Now I've got 10 other things, 20 other isms that I want to put in this song. And, and there's other genres that I appreciate, rock music and, and alternative. Like that, I think it's one of the riskiest things an artist can do because it's, you're, you're subject to what your label is hearing, you're subject to what fans will eventually hear and, and it's such a dangerous thing, but it's so important to do that with integrity and to and to make sure that you're placing all of you and not all of someone else in, in your stuff, your your works. Yeah. And what choice do we have but to take that courageous step and show up completely making it is authentic. It is your voice. You are the performing vehicle. It is all you. Even if even if you covered a song, it's still all you. And I think that that what animates us is what transforms why people listen to music or watch anything or acquire art in the first place. Because there is something when you show up completely that allows the magic to come, the X factor, the thing you can't control, like. If you listen to your very favorite songs that are on your personal playlist, isn't it amazing? Why do you want to listen to that particular rendition of that song? You're never going to get sick of it. It does that thing. And that thing is even beyond the song itself. You're right. It's, it's the intangible 
you're right. It's even sometimes the artist itself would like redo one of their own songs, but they'll do it live. And then that that version of it will contain something that the, ori- the original recording didn't. Like there's this Neil Young recording. Smusha, I actually think you sent it to me of Old Man. Oh, yeah. And he's singing it live. And it just like, I don't know where it takes me somewhere. Versus like the original recording I've always loved too, but if I can, I always love the live version of it because there's something extra he's putting in there. Like there's something extra behind it. Or I was actually even listening this morning to Erica Badu. She redid that song, um, the one where she starts, hello, hello. Oh, yes. I love that song. It's me. That's a, I forgot. It's like, this old like 70s 80s song I don't know but the way she redid it is just so good she's one of the bold ones too you know style wise I'm 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 like in awe of her she's just one of the bold I love boldness I love people that go against what people would expect them to do um and I know what that I know what those conversations in the boardrooms are like you know I've been privy to them from studio to artist side and i know what it takes of out of a person from a you know what it takes to 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 be and against the type of grant especially in the time when people like her came out especially Um, when i mean from and and maybe this comes from like my persian my persian background because everything is so um mm -hmm. it's because so much value especially for women is placed on like beauty and it's like you're an object, yes. you know, you're to be objectified, yeah. you're to be owned, you're to be whatever. But for me, it's it was always so shocking to see, like, how beautiful you are, you know, and how that's such a, a test, really. And then to be able to stand against that, to have, like, all these people project onto you, like, hey, we want to market this side of you. And only because you're this, like, not really seeing the deeper part of you, like not being able to get past the facade of your beauty and just try to take advantage of your beauty as a tool. And a one-dimensional tool, a very, very... (laughs) Exactly, because your beauty is a part of it. I mean, I love when Julie, one of my favorite things is when Julie talks about beauty as a design feature, you know, how it actually serves it serves us in what we do and and how it comes out and when we do certain things in more ways and how we kind of like hide it. it it's really amazing. Yeah. And also beauty is inherent in everyone. We it's just that we haven't looked at what is really there. Do you guys know when I work with anybody, you know, on average people are in my office for an hour, but Every single time, without exception, as soon as the first minutes roll by, I actually have to remind myself to focus because their beauty becomes so magnified, I'm awestruck. And the more the hour goes on, the more beautiful they become. So much so that sometimes I tell people, stop what you're saying right now. Turn around. You got to look in that mirror. Look and see what has happened to you. <laughs> and this time, and they'll look and they'll go, what is that? And I'm like, that's you. That's the real you. 
because we're so accustomed to someone translating smushi when you're talking about in Persian culture, the the um, icon is beauty for the feminine, but really, it's a specific brand of beauty. Mm-hmm. Like who's to say what's beautiful? I actually have a girlfriend uh, raised outside Tehran, came to the States for university, and she met her husband uh, when she was getting her master's degree. Her parents, her uncles, her aunties, everyone said to her, make sure you at least get a master's degree because you don't have the beauty. So you're going to need a really good education. Oh, They didn't let the beautiful members of the family come to the U.S. because they thought the U.S. was so corruptive and corrupting that they don't want their beauties to come here. Only her. So, you know, with that kind of imprint, she said she went to university like carefree, like, well, I'm never going to get married. I'm I'm only here for school, so I'm just going to, you know, do really well. And she did. But she met her husband. And he said he fell in love with her right away, the magic of her. But he also fell in love with her beauty. And he said it took him five years after they were married before she believed him. Oh, wow. She just thought, honestly, he was just being incredibly generous and kind. And he was like, woman, what's it going to take? Like, this is real. You are magnificent. Well, don't you wonder why everyone doesn't have that birthright? Yeah, no, it really does a number on you. Like I I would joke around always and be like, if I could sing, I'd be a hoe. Like I would just, (laughs) I'd be such a hoe. (laughs) Yes, I would. I was like, look, if I had what Carrie had, it would be on. Like I would just be... In these streets, I get whatever I wanted. I'd have free everything. <laughs> but it's because of that messed up imprint. These yeah. Persians did a number on me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. But and that's, I get it. Yeah. But that's also why I'm so, I mean, even still, I know that, but I'm still so impressed by it that like, wait, you're choosing integrity. You're choosing, <laughs> you're choosing all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. that must be difficult, like, because you have op, you have a lot of options and you have a lot of tests that other people don't. Like mm-hmm. I never have to worry about a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean it's like it's a test to have that kind of beauty and then combine it with like talent and you know and then true inside beauty too and wisdom because with your talents Carrie plural that also means people don't just project your beauty and what that means to them but also your talent, too, so that they're going to try and say, well, you should be singing like this. Oh, no, you should sing this genre. No, stay away from that. And, you know, that's been done or you don't want to whatever it is. All of a sudden, why do you have to take advice? Why is it assumed you don't have your own innate wisdom? Right. Guiding you to the highest path for your purpose. So very true. Going back to what Melody was just saying, I I really have always appreciated people 
that were more than however they appear. I've always been drawn to people like that. Like Melody, I'm sure you have the same, you've had the same temptations to not be successful or not be creative or not use, you know, your other tools because you're a beautiful woman, but you've never rested on how you look. You just happen to also be, you know, um, <laughs> pretty. There's something about, for me, there's something I've always been drawn to because I never cared. I never, this makeup stuff, getting my hair, I still hate getting my hair done. My nails, like all the, I don't, I don't. Uh, this is why I like braids because I can get my hair done once a month instead of every week or every other week. Like <laughs> This is why I love, I'm super low maintenance. I don't care. I, it, I have to do it as an occupational hazard and I've gotten pretty good at enhancing my exterior, but it just never mattered. I just, I don't know what that is, but I, I have, I have good examples around, but yeah, the, the pressures and the temptations to go back to what you're saying, the temptations are there. You know, there are many ways that you could easily figure out how to make it to the top very much quicker than, than I did. I thought I would come out as a teenager. As a matter of fact, my first deal, I was a teenager. It, it turned out to be, I don't know, eight or nine years after that. And also, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I saw the examples of that beautiful, drop dead, gorgeous. I think I'm cute, but I mean like stunners, stunners, okay? In real life, head to toe. End up sleeping with the right person or the wrong person and everything is, and I mean also happen to be talented, but I think they didn't believe that they had much else other than the beauty and some talent. And so I think that might be the difference. I've always believed that I had more, way more value. Like those just might be the two things that are most apparent, but the way that we grew up, like I know I'm capable of doing a lot of stuff. And if this music thing doesn't work out, I don't need to soil my reputation. I don't need to do anything that would potentially harm the path that I would love to go on. But if for any reason it doesn't work out, there's so many other things that I could do, you know? And that I think is, um, is the difference is that confidence of, of just knowing like, well, I've got a lot of tools. <laughs> like if I can't use this one, I'm going to use that one. If I can't use this one, I'm going to use that one, but I'm going to use the right ones. I don't want to, you know, there's certain paths that, that you could actually save yourself. And I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes. You know, those temptations are a lot of the times, I'm not talking about the same mistakes that I was just talking about. Let's be very clear. <laughs> <laughs> but there were Beautiful mistakes within mistakes. my career that I, yes, where I was propositioned to do something I didn't inherently feel was the right way to go about it. Like there's a path that was laid within me that, that I believe is just fine. But then I'm signed to people. They believe very strongly in other formulas they're not listening to you. Your job, according to them, is to listen to them because we've done this before and we're, you know, this is what, you know, so there is no trust. I'm rambling. The point is I did make mistakes. I do remember doing something that I didn't feel authentically within myself. I allowed someone to bamboozle me away from who I am and how I operate in the world. And I heavily, heavily regretted that for so many years that I wore the shame, I wore the embarrassment. I stood strong and I'm a warrior, but it really had the propensity to 
and did for a while break me all the way down. And so it gave me that confidence and that strength. It actually turned out to be a beautiful experience that I could stand and face the world in the worst of criticisms. That was the lesson. It's like, I'm so grateful that, that, that I had the wherewithal to notice those patterns. Nothing good in my life came when I went against what I, what my, that inner voice was telling me, nothing good. And this was a huge example of that, a worldwide slanderous example of that. Yeah. You know, Carrie, um, this season on our podcast, we dedicated to like in a theme of quest for world peace. Mm. And what you were just articulating is such an incredible example that is exactly what leads to that. These, that what you did, Melody keeps talking about the integrity you have today, but that integrity is very rare. And when you see it exhibited, like you are living proof. You, what you've done, the path, not just what you created, the path you walk to create is the living example. And I feel like that gives that beautiful mystery to what you've done uh, even more power. So I hope I hope that gets reflected back to you too, not just like, oh, the different stages you've had in your career, but like who you've become because you always were and always chose it against the odds. This really so beautiful and so inspiring. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you both. I feel like this was the, the experience that, that showed me a mirror to myself. So thank you for having me on. We love you so much. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.